Hurry into Ram Power Days and experience the raw power of the Ram 3500 with available best-in-class torque and towing among 350-3500 pickups when properly equipped. Strap yourself in for one powerful ride in the Ram TRX with the most horsepower of any gas pickup ever built. Or the Ram 1500, awarded number one in driver appeal among light-duty pickups by J.D. Power three years in a row. Hurry into Ram Power Days going on now. For J.D. Power 2022 U.S. award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit. This episode is sponsored by Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. This is Pretty Much Pop, a culture podcast, wrapping up our fourth year of programming, or as we in the biz call it, season three. And so I'm gathering now with my regular crew to navel gaze about what an entertainment podcast should be doing and whether we're actually doing that. My name is Mark Linsenmeyer, not a critic. This is Al, still extremely unprofessional. This is Sarah Lindbrook, and like season three of Ted Lasso, I'm only improving. This is Lawrence Weir. I'm a critic, but not a very good one. I know people tune in to hear... The latest and greatest about TV shows, about movies, about occasionally music, video games. But what about podcasts? I had suggested that this be part of our routine. And Brian Hurt, my original co-host, said, that is too navel-gazy. We cannot do episodes about podcasts or about parasocial relationships with podcast hosts. That's been on the list for like three years, <laughs> a topic that we've never hit. But, you know, we've reached the end of the fiscal year, let's say. We're, we're going to start a new season. I called the first season the first two years because that's the point at which Brian and Erica jump ship. They're still willing to come back for things. But now I prioritize you guys. I don't invite them when we have something that you care about. So you're loved. Aww. You're family now. Thanks, that feels, Mark. That feels real good. I don't want to be a part of a new family. I'm perfectly comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they always say on every TV show, like when there's the finale or whatever, like, oh, we just become a family. We're a, but I guess we only meet for like one hour every week or two. So that's not quite familial. That's more like a therapy session. <laughs> that's, Although that's I will right. say, I mean, all jokes aside, I really do consider you guys to be my pop culture family. Like Al is the grumpy cousin. Sarah is the very benevolent and loving, I guess, sister. And Mark is, he's like the father, but he's like a loving, but also kind of overbearing father. I, I, I really love you guys. I really enjoy Aww. you guys. Aww. Seriously. Yeah, this Thank is you. fun. Are we supposed to save that mushy stuff for the end of the podcast? We're, no, people, we're, I'm not being mushy. Right. I'm just saying I really appreciate Like, I, Like Al, for example, gave me a book recommendation that I just got looking forward to dig into. It's a book that you guys have been talking about for a while. I guess the book series. Looking forward, oh, like you guys give me really good stuff to kind of chew on culturally. And I appreciate that. So one of the ways that we prepare for these things is we always have a shared Google document where sometimes mm -hmm. we put articles. We've been doing that less recently, but you know, for Barbie, I found a lot of good stuff. Yeah, and also there's, there's a, a some talking points that at least I put together and encourage others to contribute to that sometimes we don't get to even most of them, but at least it means we'll always have something to talk about. We're not going to just, there. just stare there. at each other. But this one, since we didn't just watch a TV show, so I, I have some, again, some very abstract. So what is the function of criticism? I had heard when I was a young person 
uh, it was something like to help people regulate their intake, like that. That's what Rolling Stone does, and and that's a very <laughs> sort of a you know economic analysis. And I I said looking at that, like, wow, I want nothing to do with criticism. And I also kind of that we had a whole episode with Noah Berlatsky on criticism where we talked about these kind of issues in more detail. But for people that train as critics, so Lawrence, I'm going to you know start you on this. Some of them are kind of snobby about like. You amateurs and your fucking podcasts. I went to film school and I know, you know, I trained and they're doing something that the average person or even the average smart person is not able to do. I'm okay ignoring that and intruding on that. Or more likely, I feel like what I personally feel like I do is not criticism. It is we're around the water cooler together. You know, that's what a podcast is, is sort of having virtual friends and maybe friends that are provocative intellectually and not like your actual people around the water cooler at your office who are probably awful. And so wow. we're not criticizing, water but I, I don't know. You guys later. probably all have different ideas on, on what we're actually doing here in that respect. Lawrence, do you want to start us as a professional film critic? It is so crazy to me to think that I'm like a professional film critic. Like the stuff that I write goes on Rotten Tomatoes. Like I have a profile on Rotten Tomatoes and I'm like <laughs> a top critic. It is crazy to me that I am that. Anyway, bottom line, I think you're wrong, Mark. I think that what we do is criticism, but criticism, oh, there's a lot of approaches here. Criticism on one hand is looking at something and saying this is worthwhile or this is not worthwhile. This is well-made or this is not well-made. And as Al and I can point out, you can disagree on what the qualities of something is. So, for example... To use what Sarah has already said, season three of Ted Lasso, he thinks it's absolutely brilliant, top-notch television. And I think that it is bottom-of-the-barrel trash, and I would not return back to it if my <laughs> life was on you know, life support and I needed it to keep me alive. We wow. clearly disagree on the qualities of things. But nevertheless, I respect where Al comes from, though I disagree with him on how he approaches something. So, for example, for me, I really love horror movies and I realize that not everyone's going to enjoy those things. But I do have a critical eye and I realize when I'm watching like a terrible found footage horror film, it's not a well-made film, but nevertheless, it gives me what I want. So bottom line is that criticism is what we are doing. We are doing criticism. We have different approaches to it. We have different perspectives on it. And we, nevertheless, we do the criticism. Now, what I think is really interesting is that we don't do it in a navel-gazy kind of philosophical way, believe it or not. I think we do it in a much more approachable way. I talk to philosophers about pop culture, and they are insufferable. I would not want to talk to them about pop culture <laughs> ever again because they don't know how to talk about it. Like They don't know how to be engaging. They don't know how to... Like, they have this thing that they like, they like Star Trek, and that's fucking it. That's all I like, right? And I don't like that. I, I like someone who's like a little bit more broad ranging, who's able to kind of think about things in different kinds of ways. Anyway, bottom line is we are doing criticism, but I think we're doing it the right way. And I think that part of what we bring to the podcast kind of culture is a little bit of philosophy, a little bit of pop culture, but a lot of really engaging ideas. If we all agreed on something all the time, it would be a terrible podcast. It's the fact that we disagree that makes it so interesting and so engaging and so a really interesting way to kind of engage this stuff. And so ultimately, I think that we are doing criticism, but I think we're doing it the right way. Although 
Is there a white way to do criticism? That's a whole other question that I think Sarah is that going is to That is a good first. question, though. I mean, when you look at criticism, it can be seen as such a negative word. You know, it sounds like you're getting a grade, A, B, C, D, F or something. We're not being or thumbs critical, up. yeah. No, yeah. but I do think that that word that has a, that connotation, that it's evaluative, whereas... I don't think that we approach it that way either, Lawrence. I think that we are educated audience members, right? But we're not here to necessarily judge a piece on whether or not we like or dislike it or something like that. I think that we kind of dig a little bit deeper. We dig below the surface a little bit more and actually show how it adds to like a larger conversation about the culture. I hope that we do that. That would be my aim personally. I think that's a really good summary of what we do well. Thinking about what good criticism is is a really good way to start this. Because for me, I've for a long time had a pretty clear idea that good criticism is what helps you get the most value out of a, a piece of art. And that's the way I always try, try not always succeed to approach it because I'm also just very judgmental and think that people who don't like the things that I like are wrong. And that is something I think we can do pretty well as a group, I think it's interesting that Lawrence brought up disagreement because, I mean, he's, he's now sorted off somewhere, but, uh, so he won't have to hear me say something nice about him. In contrast to a lot of other podcasting kind of discussion shows that I see where people often wind up reaching the end of a, a, a segment of discussion just by agreeing with one another. I think maybe because of our, our mutual training, we have a pretty good track record of taking a synthesis of various points of view and then coming out with something more interesting at the other end of it, which isn't something I hear a lot of other places do. It's like our conversation about the Barbie movie, which you wouldn't think that we would have had such a great conversation about it, right? But it's an actual piece of filmmaking that starts a conversation. So from the creator to the consumer, you have this conversation going, which is personally what I love as both you know, like a reader and a writer, like I'm on both sides of that. And I actually really love putting something out there. So once I finish a book, once I finish an article, you put it out there and the audience is going to take it the way they're going to take it, right? You can't predict how it's going to be received. And usually in the best possible scenarios, it's received in lots of different, super interesting ways that I personally never would have thought of. And I love that we get to kind of do that with with pop culture. That's that's so much fun for me. To give a metaphor that's even worse than the, I'll help you regulate your intake, you know, to see if this is worth your time, is my day job is in technology transfer so that we work on communications products that are shorter to promote longer research products for departments of transportation research groups. So I sort of think of it also that way that some of the stuff we do at that it's a synthesis report we might write. So it's like we do a web search. We maybe do a survey, talk to different departments of transportation, whatever. And we try to deliver like something that will just save you time. So I'm going to go read a crap load of reviews of what other people have had to say, which I don't think is what critics do, right? Critics are authentically engaging with the work directly. My direct engagement with the, with the work to pull out our, our $5 philosophy word is phenomenological, which is, this is how I felt when I was watching it. Maybe I was just tired that day. I don't know. <laughs> and maybe it's not the work's fault, but I think you can't pull that kind of crap if you're a real critic. So, you know, supplementing that with what was my personal reaction? Well, 
Let me ask the people in my family. Let me read some articles online. Let me see, you know, I think that it's very easy for us to feel alone in the world. And sitting in front of a TV is one of the most lonely places. Being forced to actually reflect on that experience and is there anything that I have to say about this? Did this actually stimulate my thinking and get other people's feedback on that? Seems like a valuable service to add to this passive consumer culture. Inviting our listeners to be passive consumers of us <laughs> <laughs> and, and hopefully get into consequent discussions with, you know, people in your family. I mean, well, I hope that the listeners are not passive consumers of culture. I mean, I hope so. For example, I have I have kids as I've talked about before, and my oldest is in high school now, and he is just starting the sophomore year, and he listens to us. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed with him is that he now listens to us critically. Like So, so he'll, like, he'll listen to us, and he'll be like, oh, that's an interesting perspective. Like, so he, he really likes Sarah. Like He loves Sarah. Like He likes her perspective, like what she, she has to say. No, he, like, he just oh, likes her for her, her smile. He he doesn't know <laughs> her at all. He does not. Like he's right. <laughs> but but like he'll he'll listen to us and he'll like take the things that we're talking about and then he'll go research them. So like the books that we talk about, he'll go research those things. He watched Citizen Kane because I, I think I mentioned it or something like that here recently or anyway. So like th- that's what he does, and I, I, that's what I'm hoping that our listeners are doing. Like they're listening to us and they're listening to the things that we're referencing. And then going off on a deep dive on those kinds of things. So, for example, I remember that we did the episode about Black Mirror and Al mentioned a whole bunch of like British TV shows in that episode. And I'm hoping that in the same way that I did, they go off and they look at those British TV shows and they kind of start playing with it and seeing what the format's all about and where did it come from. And like that's the kind of listener that I hope that we are attracting is, is a curious listener who's not just listening to us and like, oh, that person's smart. That person's not smart. But rather listening to us and saying, hey, I want to know what I think about this kind of thing. Let me go and look at the history. Let me watch some movies that I haven't seen before to kind of develop my own. That leads me to think that maybe there's a change in the way we approach our programming that we should consider. Because we were talking before we flipped the recording on, we were talking about what kind of audience we should be thinking about when we make the show. One of the ways that we figure out what we're going to talk about is like either what we just happen to have been watching or what we happen to have been engaging with. I think that's always good. There's also an element of chasing the thing that is current. But I wonder if given like the podcast structure that we're, that we're in and that very few people are going to find us by Googling or by keyword searches, if like looking for current things is necessarily going to drive any more engagement. And perhaps what Lawrence just said points as an interesting direction, maybe we should find more things that one of us has like interesting things to say about or can like lead an in-depth discussion on. Maybe if we, do, if we try to figure out ways to play to our strengths more centrally rather than basing our discussions on like what's current, that might actually drive more engagement. But I was thinking when you guys did the Indigenous Cultures podcast, which was so good, by the way, you guys were Excellent. It was, I mean, oh my God. There was one point in my run I had to just stop so I could listen to the guest talk about his relationship to religion. But it was such a good conversation. And I remember you didn't really talk about reservation dogs very much at all. I was just kind of in passing in that conversation. And I know that I keep bringing up reservation dogs because I'm obsessed with it, but season three (laughs) just dropped and it's, I think, the final season. But that could be an opportunity to talk about how indigenous cultures are represented 
throughout pop culture in the last 50, 100 years. That could be a reason to go back and do a rewatch of some of these other ways that they've been represented and how that's evolved over time. I don't know if we could do that in an hour, but that would be a really interesting conversation to have, I think. I don't know. What do you think? I think that might have been Lawrence. You might have brought that up at the end of that episode, but it was a good one. I think we do do that, though. So I, I think that what we do, and I think that we should continue doing it, is we will use a pop culture, like what we call a plug to use that to expand out and talk yeah. about a number of different things. That's so Reservation true. Dogs was the plug, right? That was the way that you kind of get the conversation going. But we use that to spin it out and converse about a number of things having to do with indigenous culture. Al is right that we do use these kind of plugs to start the conversation. Was it you, Mark? I think it was you, me, and two other people talking about Batman or something like that. And we use that as an opportunity to start the conversation here, but we ended the conversation way over there talking about the wide ranging number of things having to do with comic books. You can't just like randomly say we're going to talk about space. (laughs) That's too broad. Like You got to have a plug, but then you can kind of go from there. Listening back to the episodes that we've done, my favorites are always the ones where either there's a clear like thesis statement that like goes along with the plug. Like when we did Prey and that, that again linked really heavily to indigenous portrayals of movies and the Rocky podcast that we did, I really, really loved because it was just so easily led to loads of interesting discussions of masculinity and stuff. And that may be defeating my own point because we didn't set out beforehand to say we're going to talk about Rocky and masculinity. There was a clear kind of starting point which led to, and, and some of our other chats, which, you know, they're always good and often it has to do with, when there's less of a clear, like meaty subject matter in, in the thing that we're looking at, like Sandman, for instance, was a bit like it was kind of hard to get a clear grip on what the meat of the conversation was. But yeah, so I was thinking maybe one way to move forward with that would be to like think about what we can talk about as well as what's popular. But then like many of the, the examples I just pointed to, maybe it's just if we talk about good quality stuff, there's always more to talk about. It's kind of hard to nail down what their secret sauce is because, so for example, because I agree with you, that Sandman conversation, it was kind of hard to nail down where we wanted to go. We didn't know that going into the podcast. Same thing with Creed. I love that episode. I thought the Creed episode was really, really good. I thought the Prey episode was really, really good. I thought that the Reservation Dogs episode was really, really good. But going into that, we didn't know that it was going to be that good. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where sometimes podcasts, I mean, they're good, but they're not great. And it's okay. But every now and then, more often than not, particularly with us, the podcast episodes tend to be really, really good. So I think I think it's just one of those things where you just don't know until you kind of get into the podcast and start going. And then you realize, holy crap, that was a good conversation. It's really hard to know what it is that you need to do as far as subject matter is to kind of nail that down. But I think more often than not, we hit it. Do you have any stats, Mark, on what I'm most listened to and least listened to? I can try to pull some of those up as we're talking here. Probably more of it has to do with how long the episode sat in the partially examined life feed rather than how good was the episode. So I don't know that we can get any accurate given the weird way that I release these things. I've long despaired with all of my podcasts. You know, we, we think for partially examined life, oh, we have this big celebrity guest coming on and it'll get the same number of downloads as everything else. Like <laughs> that's the way podcasts work is with very rare exceptions. You know, for some reason with my music podcast, I publish all these things to YouTube 
And the YouTube ones get almost no listens because there's just, it's just looking at a blank a logo on a screen and listening to the podcast. And you should not do that on YouTube. It's a dumb way. Sorry, YouTube listeners, but you're getting <laughs> inserted ad insertions from YouTube that I don't even get any money for. Don't listen on YouTube. The only, I only put it there to attract new people. You're already attracted. So get off YouTube, get a real podcast player. Well, well, but for I mean, some but, reason, one particular musician, their episode blew up on YouTube and got multiple thousands of listens and a whole, you know, a whole new audience because this was this cult band, but it very seldom happens. Like I can't think of a, a single pretty much pop episode that has uniquely blown up in that way. I'm wondering if we should do those videos though. Like, is that something that we should be thinking about doing? Cause that's one thing that I'm noticing. A lot of people are recording those videos, they're editing them, they're putting those on YouTube, and I don't know what the traffic is is on those episodes, but I know they're doing it consistently enough. It makes me think that there has to be something there. The place to get an actual new audience is TikTok. If we're talking about a, like a marketing strategy, absolutely the the number one thing to do would be to take the the video recordings, like chop up or some like cartoon, the cartoon image or something, just chop up some like spicy take from one of the one of the episodes and stick it on TikTok. We also have this tool already for audio that we call Descript that we pay that Partial Examine Life pays for that would let me take any clip and then create a custom visual for it. And mostly what it shows visually is a picture of the waveform, just like you're seeing as we record this. So and it generates a transcript. So that's supposed to be a really great tool for find the most interesting one minute of a conversation and put it on oh, uh, on YouTube. Cool. It's just, I did about two of those and it was too time consuming. It's going to be work. I will say also with, with this though, we have the opportunity, especially on, on TikTok or other video platforms, we're talking about an old film that no one's going to copyright strike, intercut commentary with like me saying Carl Weathers looks good in his shorts with an image of Carl Weathers in, in his shorts. And that's TikTok, baby. That's how, that's how the kids do it. That's how it works. And then you can put it on a reel on Instagram. I do find that because I've been playing around a little bit with video as I start the marketing process for this next book. Oh, that's right. You know all about marketing now. Well, no, I don't. I really don't. <laughs> and it's, uh, and it is, it's a lot of work, but the video stuff gets way more views, like way more likes and and engagement, as they like to say, than any still photo that I put up. It is astounding. I get like 10 times more likes and people comment and stuff when I just do some stupid video about my book, you know, or whatever, or somebody else talking about my book. That gets way more engagement than anything else. So video may, Mark, be the way to go. It might be. It's just so much work, but it might be what we need to do. Just us? Like just these four squares? Yes, it would be very easy for us to record video every time if you guys could stop standing in front, sitting in front of windows that have, uh, you know. <laughs> so right, right I mean, now. We, we, at, can, we can change things up. I mean, we can make it. Make we, it we'll have this discussion yeah. offline because this is not going to be interesting okay. to people. But one of the, <laughs> I have been investigating video for some of my other podcasts that we, you know, we actually video all of the uh, philosophy versus improv episodes because it just seems like we're performing and it's kind of better. To see our silly expressions. Oh, yeah. This one, it doesn't matter as much, but it would probably still make people feel more, I don't know, unless they'd be actively repulsed. Like, I didn't realize that Mark looked like that. <laughs> so so <laughs> now I don't want to, I don't want to look at that. That's, but I bought a green screen 
and I bought a better camera, but it is a sort of an investment if you want to do it. So it actually looks like something that should be on video. And that's not, that's setting aside editing, like at least with the other things that I'm doing. Okay. We, we record the video, we download it. Now we add an intro and an outro, just a standard thing. That's the same every time. And it, you know, it has a picture of the URL and stuff on it, put it back up and now it's ready to release. And that's still going to be though, I find the stuff we post on YouTube, like it shows you the length of time people watch it. And often in, mm. I think the majority, it's like the first minute because that's the way people watch YouTube is they watch it like TikTok and <laughs> like, this is not, why, why would I stare at this logo and listen to these people talk around this subject the way that I am talking right now? <laughs> which is not ready for prime time, let's say. It is improvisatory. Just the quality of like video content on, on the internet. If you want to get into doing long-form video content of any kind, you have to do it really, 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 really well. But the short clips, yeah. I think, is something. Clips. We yeah. should do something like that because that's like, a what, a minute or two? You post those things on Instagram and whatever, you yeah. share it around. I can get Just a little like 25 seconds. Things, Lawrence, you have no idea how short people's attention spans are these days. And that's fine. So someone says something punchy, it's usually going to be Sarah. She says something punchy and it's a great quote. We share that on social media. I have my people that I know who have like hundreds of thousands of followers on like Instagram and Twitter, whatnot, share that. We're, and we're off. We're off and running. It's very simple. Just ask your friend Roxanne Gay to help us out. You, you, you know what? I'm going to cuss you out. <laughs> if you keep bringing up Roxanne, she is and she so great. We'll, and she we'll doesn't enjoy call herself being called Roxanne Gay, by the way. She's Roxy. But anyway, bottom line. <laughs> oh, see, of course <laughs> bottom, you would know that. Bottom line. For the listeners, if somebody wants to be a, an unpaid intern and generate a bunch of video content for us, please reach out. Mark at pretty I much don't pop. Com. This at all. I, I do not agree <laughs> with what Mark is doing. This is not a good idea. This is how our whole, the whole PEL video channel started in the first place because a fan decided he would create clips of our show, 10 minute clips and put them up as videos. And then actually he put up all this other stuff. These like Rick Roderick, uh, this is philosophy professor videos that I've left up and they get way more <laughs> views than anything that I put now. And I'm just waiting for the people that own the rights to those to come and uh, make me take them away. So this is before I was joined. I, I, I wasn't around when you guys. That's that's what. No, I'm just saying cre the creation of our YouTube channel that I use as an audio dump. Mm. That it was originally created mm. by someone else who eventually turned it over to us. And now it is hooked into our actual normal release schedule. Let's stop for some sponsor messages. I want to tell you about Green Chef. It's a meal kit company. It's organic. That is CCOF certified. Green Chef has options for every lifestyle. Maybe you just want to eat more balanced meals. They've got calorie smart meals under 700 calories. Protein packed meals with at least 40 grams of protein on average per serving. Flavorful plant rich vegan and vegetarian meals. Mediterranean, keto or paleo. Pretty much whatever you're into. They've got more than 80 weekly options. All the ones I've had have been delicious. Of course they're going to be good. Because if you get one bad meal, you're probably going to cancel the service. They know that. Eating well does not have to be boring. This September, they've got flavor-packed recipes like shrimp and kale Caesar salad, vegan cauliflower power bowl with rainbow quinoa, tropical surf and turf with pineapple salsa, chimichurri and cashew corn rice. And here's a new thing. Every Green Chef customer gets a free session with one of their registered dietitians who can walk you through how to make clean eating work for you. And here's the part I like best. It is very convenient. It is very easy. Green Chef has been a way that I 
poor cook that I am, am able to contribute to family dinners, not just by heating something from the freezer or putting in some pasta or doing one of the three recipes that I learned as a young person. Everything's pre-portioned, very high quality ingredients, recipes that just take you step by step through. There are dinners that are ready in 25 minutes or less, 10 minute lunches, grab and go lunches, and green bundles featuring clean snacks and functional beverages. Of course, all this stuff is delivered right to your door with very environmentally conscious packaging. Go to greenchef.com slash 60PMP and use the code 60PMP to get 60% off plus free shipping. Oh, and by the way, if you've heard us talking about HelloFresh on the show before, Green Chef and HelloFresh are owned by the same people. I use both. I switch back and forth between them. That's greenchef.com slash 60PMP with the code 60PMP to get 60% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Every day you decide who you're dressing up as. In your shirt, your jacket, your shoes, you're crafting a message to the world. And sometimes clothing's meaning can be surprising. Articles of Interest is a podcast about what we wear. It's a fashion podcast for people who are passionate about clothes and for people who think they don't care about clothes at all. Every other week, host Avery Truffleman reveals the wild stories hiding in your closet. Why do baby clothes have pockets? How did latex become taboo to wear? Can we actually know the labor conditions of garment factories? Is there such a thing as fashion separate from capitalism? Get Articles of Interest on your favorite podcast app. We've raised the, isn't it nice to have different perspectives on a thing? So this was my way, right? The season two approach before you guys became, season three is when like, you know, we'd sort of settled on you guys for the past year. You've been on most of the episodes, but I'm still leaving. Actually, because Al, when we started, was like, I don't know if I want to do this regularly. Have me on. I don't know. Does your schedule clear it up, Al? Is- no, I had a job that, that was slowly killing me back then and I've, I've got a new one now. So it's much better. That's I'm good. very happy to hear that. That's so it seems there's no reason based on your schedules, unless you tell me otherwise, that like we couldn't just do this every other week and not have any that you take a, a pass on. We always leave you the, the option or leave me the option if like, well, I could learn about this thing that you guys are already way into, or you could just get somebody that already is excited about this. And of course, we have our other recurring guests many of whom are wonderful. They're all probably busier people or else they might be, among, you know, in this lineup, you know, or they run their own podcasts or whatever. But I, in fact, long use this whole podcast as a networking mechanism. Like I want to talk to a new interesting person. Now I've pushed that to PVI that they can, unless they can come and talk about philosophy or improvise with us, I guess I don't have a use for you. Uh, I guess I can't have a, a conversation with you. But what, what do you guys think in terms of, you know, we had the deaf, I guess it was a little over a year ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had CODA episode. And like it was sort of required to get somebody that had some connection with the deaf community. And so like I've went around fishing for a person like that. And there are probably lots of topics like that. Should we keep that kind of stuff in the rotation? If we're talking about indigenous stuff and don't invite an indigenous person, that's a little obnoxious. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is. Yeah, I agree. That's not. It'd be cool to try and leverage any contacts I mean, ideally both, right? But do we do we mainly want interesting people or do we mainly want people with a profile? Ideally both. I only know interesting people. At, at this point, I almost think it is more people with a profile or people that have really specialized knowledge in a particular area. And this also just goes to what topics that we're going to pick. So one right before we started, before Sarah Lynn jumped on, we had this uh, Heather Fink, who is a director, an actual film director. And so we talked about what does the director do? And we had a costuming person that was a friend of Erica's 
the year before that. And there's lots of room if, you know, if that's one of the things that we're interested in is like investigating the craft of being in Hollywood or doing, you know, get a poet, get a sculptor, get whatever, you know, but that's sort of, I don't know. I don't know if that's in the future of, of this next year of podcasts. If, if, if we're going to have a sculpture episode, who's going to want, people have not been begging for that. The most important thing is, can this person, because yeah, you're right. Specialized knowledge is good. But for me, the most important thing is, is this person going to be entertaining? Do they have the ability? Because I know a lot of a lot of people who are in the industry who I could bring on and it'd be a big name. But, oh, this person's here and that's great. But they are boring as hell. They are not good people to talk to on a podcast just because they have a good profile doesn't mean they're good at it. Right. In the supporter section will make Lawrence name names. I'm not going to name (laughs) names. (laughs) <laughs> but I know plenty of, I know plenty of people. They're really nice, but they're boring. I mean, they're fun interpersonally, but they would be boring on a podcast. And I think that that's kind of what you have to kind of look out for. You have to look out for people who are actually going to be engaging in a podcast format because believe it or not, it's kind of a skill. Not everybody's able to do it. The thing is, is I, on one hand, really like having someone who is sort of our designated expert on whatever it is that we're talking about. Because most of the time, unless we're talking about writing or something, I'm the one who's doing a lot of listening and learning. And and that's the fun part for me is I like to go out and do my research and then come back and then, hey, if we've got somebody who is an expert in this field, that's great. But I don't want to have somebody who's just there to push a particular agenda or lecture to us. I want an actual conversation. That's one thing I really like about this dynamic is that I feel like even though we may not always agree, we at least listen to each other and allow for different perspectives. And even if that perspective is, I don't know, I'm asking a question, I'm curious, you know, that can be just a, a valid perspective as somebody who knows a whole lot about a particular topic. It would be easier if we said, you know what? Having five people sometimes, that's fine. Because then we could have all of us. Nobody yeah. nobody has to bow out for that episode. But yet we get to have some friend who is fun to talk to or whatever. Which was the point in part. And some of the guests that I had in the past is like just a friend from college that is interesting. And I haven't gotten to talk to him for a while. So please come <laughs> on and talk about this thing with us that you like. It would be nice if we could do that. And I would love to meet more of your friends, not just Lawrence's favorite friend, famous friends, but <laughs> your, you know, the other British people in the world, the other people in the Philadelphia set, <laughs> having, having Sarah's, we managed to get Erica's husband on a couple times, having your husband. Actually, Josh would probably be a pretty good guest. Yeah. <laughs> he's pretty funny. So you say you think he's funny. <laughs> only only t- Tyler Tyler gets the final word. I am his biggest word. fan. I, I am his biggest fan. However, oh, I think he's so pretty funny. Sweet. This is so sweet. <laughs> if Tyler our editor I'm tells me this, this person up. was a nightmare to edit down to make them oh coherent and amusing, then I will believe him. <laughs> yeah. And usually yeah, we know at the time. That's that's the thing with a, a guest is always you're rolling the dice a little bit. You know, especially if it's somebody we haven't met in person before, if somebody I just found over Facebook, Mm -hmm. often I would do a pre, some kind of pre-call. Let let me get them on the the phone, actually see, and I can usually tell in the first 30 seconds, are they, 
talking um, like that, mm-hmm. or or is it going to be someone who's entertaining to look at? You know, which you could edit a person like that to make it okay. It would probably be a lot of work to edit that person, though. It would probably be a lot. See of work. how mad I am. He'd be really earning his stipend. Um, I'm uh uh. He has enough that would of that. Be terrible. Oh my god. He has enough of that with my m- musician guests who are. A very mixed bag in terms of the number of <laughs> you knows in particular. Hmm. No, actually, I don't know. <laughs> one episode we should do, by the way, I'm just thinking about this randomly. One episode we should do is anime. It is exploding. My yeah. kids are making me watch the anime. I'm watching anime now, believe it or not. It's quite good. I'm shocked by how good it is. So engaging things like that, like things that are either blowing up in the culture contemporary. So like, for example, I'm not saying we should do this, but like Suits, it is blowing up. It is everywhere. Like Suits hit Netflix and it's an old show, but it is like blowing up like it's a brand new show. Like the engagement. Why is it? Is it just because it's on Netflix? I think that's what it is. I think that they because Suits was a was a modest hit on USA. It hit Netflix and just blew up. And so like stuff like that is stuff we can do, like stuff that it may be older, but it's like it's it's hot right now. And so we can kind of engage that. Anime is blowing up right now. Like all the kids, I promise you, if you talk to kids right now, they will tell you it is hot. Stuff mm-hmm. like that. Engage that kind of stuff. Like that's the kind of topic, subject matter we should be doing. If we have five people, there's less pressure if you in particular didn't want to spend 40 hours of homework. You could still show up having only put two hours of homework in. Yeah, I've never seen any anime before. I watched the first episode of half a dozen things. And that took me three hours or whatever, whatever less than that. And if there's enough other people who are actually, you know, we get the anime fan, the real fan, you know, with us, you're the best person Lawrence likes to talk about anime with already. And I'm saying anime. And that's that way, because the person that we had on for manga, who is lives in Japan told me it's anime. It's not anime. <laughs> and she's oh very, she's oh very, my. We're like amateur hour over here. (laughs) What if each of us brought in something that we were super into that the rest of us had to kind of study up a little bit? Like, what would you think of that? Like if that sounds wonderful to me, if we're happy to commit to like one every two weeks, give or take, we can each have a, we'll each have a number of like assignments and it would be our job then to like, see what was coming out that time. And if you wanted to go that direction or like find the guest who you know, who you think would be a really good conversation or, you know, it's time to finally make everyone watch my favorite TV miniseries from the 90s or whatever else it might be. I sort of wish that we could go back and record every week like I used to do when we started this show, which is why season one has 100 episodes over two years and we only got, you know, 25 or whatever in season I don't know the exact count for this latest season, but I mean, we should commit to once every two weeks. I think that's pretty doable. Sure. I'd love to be able to do a weekly record. It's just the homework that would be the killer. So every week seems like it'll be a lot, but once every two weeks, that's pretty doable. I think we should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, I'm cool with that. Al every other Friday. Maybe that takes a bit of the pressure off you, Mark, in terms of the prep. Cause I always feel bad by like that. You always stick all the stuff in the dark. Right. My writing talking points or whatever is just a matter of my thinking through things for 20 minutes or whatever. It's really not. I should do that before the podcast anyway. It's just I'm inflicting it on you guys. Mm-hmm. And so that's fine. I don't mind doing that. Finding the articles and stuff. And yes, I absolutely, if you are now 
sort of officially going into the new season, this is the team. This is not just the default team, but this is the team that we're making decisions as a group on what we're going to cover and not cover. And I will not just unilaterally say, you know what, Sarah, we just don't need you for the next three because they're all going to be on video games or whatever. You know, I'm just not going (laughs) to. That is the right choice. (laughs) (laughs) That is not a right choice. Make Sarah play some damn video games. You're right. I know. I know. I got to get out of my comfort zone. I don't want to watch horror movies, though. (laughs) Oh, you're definitely. If I am in charge of any episode, you're watching something. You're watching a horror movie. It is coming. I'm letting you guys know it is coming. Too scary. Watch that shit with the lights on. It's coming. It is coming. You were just fawning all over the latest season of Black Mirror. As I do love that. Fairies, I do love that. It's show. the same thing. No, it's not. It is. They're not, not all the same thing. <laughs> it's because even Lawrence, horror fan, says, "I don't want to watch that torture horror. I don't want to watch." No, you know, he has his, his limits. One hundred percent. That is true. That is true. Would it be awkward if we're gonna? Okay, we want to do the Friday the Thirteenth series or whatever stupid thing like this. We're gonna invite Whoa, somebody. Stupid? Maybe we're what gonna is invite. Going on? You know, the horror serious? guy that we had on that last time. That is not time okay. No, no, no. That is say, not okay. You cannot no, no, blast But not instead of Sarah, but in addition to Sarah. Series. And oh, Sarah God. can just suffer through yeah. as much or as little <laughs> as she wants. And maybe her only role on the podcast is to say, why do you guys like this stuff? I was only able to watch a half hour of this. And this uh-huh. is appalling to me. I read some articles on how horror movies rot your mind. You know, there are other <laughs> things you could do. That would not require, and I guess the same Watching goes. Watching the entire catalog of Friday the 13th. Please. Exactly. I'm not going to make <laughs> anybody do that. And unfortunately, I did that as a child. So I could do that episode in fairly short order. <laughs> but. Oh, I wouldn't say that you should watch the whole catalog. But like, if I were to do something like this, let's just talk about this. If I were to do a horror episode and like make you guys do something like in October or whatever, it would be I would pick one movie. Like one movie that's supposed to be like a really good movie, a really good mm-hmm. example of it. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, those kinds of movies tend not to be overly gory. They tend to be very suspenseful. They tend to be well made. Like so Halloween okay. is very different than like Halloween six or something like that. And they're about to do a terrible remake of The Exorcist. Oh yeah. That's it's supposed about to come, come out, out soon. Isn't yes, it? it's coming out soon. I don't and know if it's gonna be William terrible or not. I don't know. Peter Blatty just die. No, right? no, it was um, <laughs> Freaking, freaking the, just died. Yeah, freaking the died. Okay. director. That, that's what I meant. Okay, yeah. And I did a whole bunch of radio about him dying anyway. But the issue, though, is that that's something that we could do. Like, so that, that movie's going to drop. Uh, it's going to be a big movie. That's an opportunity for us to talk about why do we like horror movies? Why do people enjoy being scared? Whatever. That's an opportunity to spin it out. And so it's not so much about watching the gore and the horror and being scared or whatever, but now we're musing philosophically about the horror. That's how you do it. That's what but I would how like does it represent show. us? So we can we can just decide this on a case by case basis. And you know, of course, you would be a decision maker. I don't mean to pick on you, Sarah. I just you know the ones the ideas we've been talking about recently. But I think there are just as many ideas. I want to do romantic comedies, and there's a, I want you guys to read romantic comedy. The book. I'm here for that. Let's do it. Yeah. I love romantic comedies. I love them. And Al has been very game about you know getting into areas that he is not familiar with. And even if you don't see the main film that we're talking about, which has happened in our King Arthur one, because it <laughs> there were release problems. It in, was COVID. In England. It was a it was COVID thing. Yes. That you still do great in the conversations. And I feel like, and I think the same thing happened with Indiana Jones with Lawrence, that it actually became a source did you of end up watching amusement. It? I did watch it. Legitimately, a really good thing about the format that we have is that often because what we're talking about is an extended like series of films or like a film in the context of a bunch of other films or a longer team or whatever it is, 
like the fact that you there's a lot of material to talk about even if you like only get to see the actual new thing once or like on a bad pirate copy which i've had to do a couple of times like it's fine there's still plenty to talk about and i really i appreciate that i will renominate lawrence to help us maybe you guys alan sarah you seem to know more about hip-hop than i do as well not that i've never listened to hip-hop of course i've listened to hip-hop and i have you know some albums that i've listened to repeatedly and they've gone through phases on but like as compared to much of the rest, even jazz, I've just not listened. I'm so to, to this the 50th anniversary of hip hop episode. I need help. Somebody needs to tell me how to prepare. I'm not going to just figure it out myself. So that'll be an immediate thing, maybe in the next couple episodes that we could. Well, we still- can, well, first of all, today is a day. Today is the 50th anniversary. Ooh. Um, yeah, and so hip hop is a Leo, of course it is. Um, <laughs> but beyond that. I mean, I can tell you how to prepare. I can tell you what episode, what, what things you should listen. Well, honestly, there's a playlist that I would encourage you to listen to. The Black Smithsonian like playlist of all the major hip hop songs. I would encourage you to, to do that. There's some, of course, like books you can read. There's pro- uh, well, there's probably movies. I think I think books are yeah, maybe there's, too there's, much of an ask. But, 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 yeah, do- but there's documentaries you can watch. Movies yes, you can watch. Like there's plenty of stuff. There's plenty of stuff. Yeah. Is there a particular documentary about the fiftieth? No, let's, not let's about research the, this. Not about the fiftieth, but there's a. But we can fi- we can find stuff. We, like let's okay. talk about it. We can. Find so that's stuff. just an example. Yeah. This is what we would usually talk about in the after talk. I don't want to pursue this too much on air. I, I guess as in terms of final the scope, we talked a little bit about how we can get around. You know, we only had one video game episode in the last year. We probably could still have at least one video game episode. <laughs> we probably need to do that. or two. And I could still invite my son on for something. We could still have some of the, our favorite people, you know, that we've had on in past episodes while, and of course, if you guys get overwhelmed and you just want to take a break, we'll figure out a topic that you don't want to be on. That's, <laughs> that's easy enough. It's, would we t- be talking about video games that are current? I could talk about Zork. <laughs> Love to talk about Zork. <laughs> I don't even know what Zork is. <laughs> One of the very first text-based I RPGs, loved I loved interactive fiction. That was the kind of video game that I played, yes, that at was age my favorite. seven yeah. or whatever. I, yeah, I did all, was there three or four? After a while, you just get the hint book and you, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, with, the, with the invisible ink. Like yes. this. You guys are going <laughs> way over my head. This way is, over this my is, head. Because we're, we're old just old. old. We're old. I don't know. And I think Al's a special kind of nerd because he is younger, but does still yeah. know about this stuff. It's a Gen, it's a Gen X thing. <laughs> I've been hesitant about classic pop things. Mm. It should be something that at least has a resonance for today. I don't really want to just do a Casablanca episode. I don't think this is the podcast for that. My girlfriend had never seen The West Wing, so we're rewatching The West Wing. I would love to have a conversation about like the politics of The West Wing and how that has how that altered liberalism over the last twenty years, or like how it how it looks now. Just as an example, I think. Just doing like Casablanca just for the sake of, I mean, it's a great movie, but if we are doing something old, it would probably be helpful in that case to have like a take in mind or a, a, an essay question. When they make the Casablanca remake, then for sure. That is not happening. I mean, but, but there's, <laughs> but there are ways. So like, for example, what Al is talking about, an election season is about to be upon us. Now we get a chance to talk about the West Wing. So, like, there are ways to do this. Oh my God, it'd be so good to do like election movies. We can do Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And, and is there a current political um, drama that at least we could have, you know, that are, that are getting a lot of, or is that just so our real life political world 
is so terrible. It is so screwed up. That having any TV version of it. The politician that's probably going to get a new series at some point. Really? Is it going to get a new season? Is it? I don't, I don't know. I, I, I saw the second and I thought it was good enough that it would probably get a new season. But is it on Netflix and they don't let shows get third seasons? <sighs> is it part of that? I'm confusing that with, is it called The Diplomat? What's the, what's the other Netflix? Yeah, you're confusing with The Diplomat. The, the oh. politician was starred Ben Platt. Platt. Yep. Yeah. And it was just so funny. And it was, who was the showrunner for that? Who was the writer? Ryan Murphy. Uh, Ryan Murphy, and yeah. And Falchuk. Yeah, it's another Murphy and Falchuk yeah. thing. Yeah, it was hilarious. It was just so spot on, I thought. It was very addictively watchable. So something like that, especially as an endpoint into whatever you've already experienced of Murphy and Falchuk, because I watched too much of that stupid American Horror Story show, and I don't ever want to do an episode on it, but an episode that I get to mention it twice, that would be (laughs) (laughs) be worth it. That would have made it worth it to waste all those hours on that stupid show. <laughs> I watched a couple episodes of that show. The New Orleans season was my favorite, I think. That was the one about the witches, if I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. Any final thoughts of celebrities? It would be nice you know, to have one come on every six months or so. And even if that means, you know, we pare down the, we don't have necessarily five people interviewing a celebrity, which seems a little mean, but yeah, bringing somebody on. I could always find other authors. Authors is easy. First, are authors actually celebrities? Like if it was actual celebrity author. No, that's they a are not. Thing. They can I can be. tell you that. They can be. <laughs> Except for Roxy on Gay. Oh, excuse me, Roxy. They can D- be celebrities. Should like doing a Tanahashi Coates interview or something. I would love it. I would not say no to that. Of course And not. it might be the kind of thing that would raise the profile it would need to be around a book coming out, but like I can get like Robert Jones, you know, who wrote a really big book um, and is working on a second book right now. Like, that's easy get. I can get Damon Jones. Like I, I can get like like Kia C. Layman. He just won the MacArthur Grant. Like I can get people like that very easy. Like I text them all the time. Like so I can get people like that very easy. The issue would be you don't want to get them right in the middle of them promoting something because they're overwhelmed at that point. But then when they move out of the promotion. Then are we talking to them? It's a little bit late, you know. So that's that's mm-hmm. the kind of the fine line you have to walk with those kinds of people. But we can do it. We can try to get those kind of yeah. People. And a key thing has always been: don't make this a stop on their promo tour. Even if chronologically it is a stop on their promo tour, you don't know, make them feel that. Way. Try to you know give them a warning that we're not just gonna we're not so fascinated with you particularly in advance. Most of our audience has never heard of you, no matter how famous you are. Because you are not, you know, we're not going to get somebody that's so famous that this is not the case. But, you know, the guy that wrote the Bill and Ted movies that was on with us, like, well, I mean, that's cool. But just giving us behind the scenes about writing the Bill and Ted movies is not fit this show. It's not in Hollywood Insider or whatever, much less for movies, you know, for (laughs) movies 20 years ago, which would be the people that we could actually get to talk to us. So try to engage those people as if they were normal guests. Hey, mm-hmm. do you like getting Lucy Lawless to talk about her love of true crime? That's exactly the kind of thing. It's just that that's a hard sell for some celebrity that you're not already friends with. So would we uh, be able to get anyone now because of the strike? Right now we couldn't. Right now. If they're promote if they're on to promote things, they're not supposed to do that. If they're right. just on to have a conversation about how just they like true crime. Yeah, that's okay. Why would that not be a thing? I mean, but that has been an issue 
with philosophy versus improv guest that was maybe, you know, that Bill had made a connection with and maybe it was going to be our season premiere. And improv is not controlled by the strike. They're not, it's a different thing. And it's not like we are big Hollywood anyway, but he's still, he's a guy that's on a current TV show and felt like, I guess I need to wait and see how this turns out. I don't want to run afoul. There was one from your creatives discussion, which actually that was a good episode too, but it made me so mad. <laughs> but um, at the end, you guys were talking about how too much success can affect art. And I thought that might be kind of a fun thing to talk about. Like he brought up Wes Anderson. One of the speakers talked about how after one of his movies, everything else became crap in his opinion, because he just got too much money kind of thrown at him. I thought about that. Like, I think about that, like, of course, in terms of being an author, you know, like your sophomore slump, you know, you, let's say you have a really successful debut and then your second book, there's all this pressure or that happens in music all the time. You have a really successful first album. And then the second one, it's like, what was the classic example was with uh, Gwen Stefani and no doubt. Like it took them, I guess, forever to come up with the second album because they were just stuck. You know, they felt that pressure of their initial success and how that affected them going forward. And I thought that could be an interesting, there might be something there for us to talk about. Any other final thoughts before we turn the public away and go to the elite, the Patreon supporters, which has gone down in the last year. Economic times were hard. Maybe it's the inflation. Maybe that's why people stopped supporting or they felt like I've already given you a little money, but that was, there are lots of steady listeners here that you could afford a dollar a month. I, I really think you could. Come on, listen. You know what, Mark? Come on, listen. <laughs> you know, Mark? Come on, listen. You've taken recently to belittling our listeners for not supporting us enough. And I, I think probably a better alternative tactic is to say those Patreon supporters who do subscribe. Look at Ow. Ow. Look at Ow. You're so much better than I've never supported anyone on Patreon. So anyone who supports us on Patreon is just a better person than me. <laughs> there you Don't go. you think I should withhold my, I mean, I, thank you. Thank you. Of course, Praise all of you for listening be, yeah, at be all. Positive. Be positive. Yeah. But, you, could, you could go anywhere for your <laughs> podcast needs. You come to us. We're glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, if you would be interested in hearing a little more, patreon.com slash pretty much pop. And of course, make sure you're subscribed. I, I don't say this as much. If you're hearing this through the Partial Examined Life feed, please go and subscribe to the actual Pretty Much Pop podcast. Please You'll actually over, hear all of the episodes. We'd, we'd love for you to do that. Yes. Because mm -hmm. otherwise... Come into the light. Would it be feasible to publish the extra stuff that we reserve for Patreon subscribers in the Pretty Much Pop? Just to get people to go over to that feed? Yes. I'll announce that at some point. No, I don't know if this is the time because I want on, us to man. be able, I want us to be unrestrained this time. If we do manage to land any kind of big celebrity guest, we could put a trailer in the, uh, in the PEL feed, uh, but then make people go over to the, the real feed to listen oh, to it. Got some stuff. Listen, okay, listen, listen, we're coming to the end of the season. Wait, 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 before we end, I want to say a few things. One, Mark, thank you very much for your leadership on this podcast. It has been great. Thank you so much for bringing me into the fold. Sarah, you know I love you very deeply, even though I mess with you a lot. I really appreciate your insights. Al, you know I love you, dude. Really appreciate your insights. Even though we disagree a great deal of time, it is always in love, and I appreciate you guys. Looking forward to the next season. Aw. 
All right. Well, I, I appreciate and value you all, but I'm too emotionally unavailable to, to go to the extent I'm a that Laura just went. I'm a, I'm a big his... teddy bear. I'm a, I'm a big <laughs> teddy bear. I have nothing nice to say about any of you. You already said something nice, Al. I already heard it. I heard it. So long, everybody. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thanks Bye. for listening. Bye. Get more Pretty Much Pop at prettymuchpop.com. Get bonus content for every episode at patreon.com slash prettymuchpop.